Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. I was out of town for the biggest news in Seattle sports history in many years. Uh, this week, <laughs> Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos and I was in Colorado for the first time. I was there for some, uh, some non-comedy related stuff. I'm adjusting, I'm adjusting the levels over here. I think we're all right. Uh, I was there for some non-comedy related stuff. And I got to tell you, it was a little bit sickening to be in the belly of the beast as they acquired Russell Wilson. I was not there, by the way, as part of the negotiation team or the welcoming committee for Russell Wilson. <laughs> it was pretty unfortunate timing to be in a place where nobody was sensitive to uh, everyone was celebrating. It would have been like being in Boston in 2015 when the Seahawks, when uh, Russell Wilson himself threw the interception to Malcolm Butler. It would have been pretty goddamn upsetting. Uh, so I wanna, I'm going to devote this whole podcast to talking about Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is an extremely important figure in Seattle sports history. It's not the first time Seattle sports fans have seen their favorite, their most beloved athletes leave. In fact, my childhood is just completely littered with these types of occurrences. Uh, the earliest that I remember is, well, first off, I think this might've been even earlier. The earliest instance of all this that I remember is Sean Kemp wanted out of Seattle and there was a moment, and I think this could have changed the entire landscape of both these teams, but there was a moment where there were, there was a rumored Scotty Pippen for Sean Kemp straight across trade. Uh, and first off probably would have been, I love Sean Kemp. I think he's an incredible, he's a pillar of Seattle. He's been a great ambassador for, uh, for Seattle basketball since retiring. But I think there's a good chance that if if uh, Scottie Pippen came to Seattle in, it's got to be in the mid-90s. I think it was probably like, um, well, it was towards the end of his his uh, run in Chicago. I think it actually got, that trade might have been included in the Last Dance uh, documentary. But anyway, that's the earliest I remember. But then obviously Ken Griffey Jr. left, uh, Randy Johnson left, Alex Rodriguez left. Ichiro left. These are just the baseball ones. Gary Payton eventually was traded. Uh, Joey Galloway 
was a guy maybe even earlier that I remember that he got traded to the Dallas Cowboys after holding out in a trade, by the way, that again, these, these often work out very well for Seattle teams. When, when, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. left, like I was fucking devastated. I would have, if my daughter was a boy, if we had had a boy, we were going to name it Griffey. Instead, it's, she's named after, uh, my wife's favorite grandma. But, uh, if we had, if we had a boy, we would have named her Griffey. Boy, now I'm worried. Not favorite grandma. <laughs> if, if my family, favorite grandma, I don't know if that's uh, nice or accurate, but a grandma that has passed away that meant a lot to my wife. Uh, just in case my <laughs> wife's uh, surviving grandparents watch this. Um. Yeah, so this is just, it's something I've been used to. It's kind of the same reason, by the way, in 2008 that I was like, I wasn't really prepared for the Sonics to leave because I had spent my whole childhood hearing that the Mariners were going to leave and the Seahawks were going to leave, and it just had never happened. And it seemed like the Sonics were the team that were on the strongest footing, that had had so much success. Those other teams, they weren't getting support from the fans because they were bad. But the Sonics had been very good and had actually received a lot of support. So Russell Wilson wants a trade, gets a trade, whatever. We're going to learn a lot more. By the way, the, there's going to be a version of this story told at some point, a 30 for 30 or something like that, where we get to hear what really happened between Russell Wilson and Golden Tate, say, or Russell Wilson and Percy Harvin, say, or Russell Wilson and the rest of the team, Russell Wilson wasn't beloved by every teammate he's ever had. And it's going to be very, we're going to, I, my suspicion is that we're going to find out more and more about that, especially now that Russell Wilson isn't in Seattle, but I want to start by talking about Russell Wilson's legacy because he's been, I mean, he's been incredible. He brought one of the only championships to Seattle sports that we've ever seen. Uh, the, the only one I've seen, by the way, outside of, I would say, uh, the only major sport championship I've seen. It depends how you feel about soccer, whether you consider it a major sport or not, but Oh my God. I'm so paranoid that I didn't start the recording on this, that uh, I'm going to run around to the back of the camera. We're in baby. We're in, we're recording. Hopefully it doesn't die trying a new setup. I'm always trying a new setup. Um, okay. So here's, uh, some, some Russell Wilson career achievements, some highlights, some impressive stuff. Uh, hasn't missed a game, never missed a game until 2021, the 2021 season when he, uh, by the way, played with through immense pain. He had uh, uh, a knee sprain, which sounds a knee sprain. If you're not initiated, sounds like not that big of a thing, but it was a huge, it completely destroyed his mobility. And I believe he had one of those uh, bicep tendon issues also. Uh, he had several injuries throughout his career, played through them all. And finally, he uh, had the malafinger injury, the, the tendon tear. We'll talk about that more later because I think it's got some potential... Uh, lasting impacts. Um, 37,059 yards, uh, 292 touchdowns, 87 interceptions, 
4,689 rushing yards, 23 touchdowns, <clears throat> 104, 53, and 1 record as a, as a Seahawks quarterback, a Super Bowl win, two Super Bowl appearances, 2020 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, sacked 427 times. <clears throat> we'll talk about that also. 24 fourth quarter comebacks, uh, 32 game-winning drives, 16 playoff games where he threw 3,786 yards, 25 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 527 rushing yards, and three touchdowns for a 9-7 and record in the postseason. The, I think, I don't know, uh, I didn't actually look up the Seahawks record books, but I have to assume that he holds every meaningful Seahawks passing record. Uh, I did have, I've had some kind of interesting conversations about Russell Wilson because I think people in Seattle, if you're from a time like me, you're used to these dudes wanting to leave. And so there's a little bit of, I think, like PTSD falling back into that. And I'll tell you that like my dad, for example, was like, I'm fucking sick of him. He's not even that good. Matt Hasselbeck was better. And that's bullshit. That's like an insane it's not uh Matt Hasselbeck was not a better quarterback than Russell Wilson in fact I think when you go back and look at Matt Hasselbeck's career he was a viable starter in Seattle don't get me wrong but you really appreciate how great Russell Wilson was and you start to understand how rare it is to have a great NFL quarterback something the Seahawks have never had I think my dad might have even said that Dave Craig was better which is Perhaps even more insane. Matt Hasselbeck was a serviceable starter. Maybe top half of the league starter. Russell Wilson was in the discussion for like top five quarterback. Also in his legacy, by the way, of all the, uh, of all the quarterbacks drafted around him, he's got, there's a pro football reference has a Hall of Fame monitor score and he's leading every quarterback drafted 2009 and later and the reason I included 2009 in those numbers was to fold in Matthew Stafford who just won a championship and it's because of Tom Brady championships are pretty rare also because of Tom Brady by the way I think we've got a fucked up view of what a quarterback's uh legacy is because nobody's gonna beat Tom Brady and it's not like so my point is Russell Wilson is gonna be a Hall of Famer if his career doesn't completely fall off of a cliff, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. If he never wins a championship in Denver and just goes and puts up the, you know, an average Russell Wilson season for a couple more years and then slowly fades, he'll accumulate enough stats absolutely to become a Hall of Famer. There is a question in his legacy, however, <clears throat> does he become one of the all-time greats. Is he one of the all-time greats? Uh, Hall of Famer, yes. But is he, is he, uh, this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I'm fine with it. Is he more, is he closer to being Eli Manning than he is to being Tom Brady or he is to being Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning won two championships, one in Denver, one in Indianapolis. One of the most prolific passers in the history of football. Many people would have argued that he was better than Tom Brady throughout his career. I think that's a tougher argument to make as Brady has, I mean, he threw fucking 40 touchdowns and 5,000 yards or something at 
age 44, and he's coming back. I'm glad I waited till today to talk about that, but he's coming back for his age 45 season. Pretty fucking cool. I'm actually pumped that Tom Brady's coming back. I was sad he left. I don't care if he wins another championship, but he's going to put so many numbers just a little bit further out of reach. The same way that like Jerry Rice's numbers. We haven't had a quarterback set the bar that far since maybe like Dan Marino. And Dan Marino's, the game has changed. Dan Marino's numbers are no longer unreachable. Um. So yeah, I think you. the question also... One thing that I think Russell Wilson did, and I don't think that he cares about this, obviously, but it's important if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, is he's opened the door for another quarterback to have like a very good career. It would still take a very good career, but to become the best quarterback in Seahawks history. I think like Indianapolis has had two of the best quarterbacks, especially of their era. They've had arguably two times have the Indianapolis Colts, and, and at a point I think the Baltimore Colts during Johnny Unitas' career, have had a guy who was considered basically the best quarterback in football. Uh, I don't think Russell Wilson was ever considered the best quarterback in football when he was with the Seahawks, but now he's going to divide his legacy across two teams, maybe, maybe split close to evenly. And maybe some of those accomplishments really split evenly as he, uh, you know, he's got what did I say? 37,000 yards. I think it's possible that in the next six, seven years, he matches that in Denver. And, uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. It's like, did the Seahawks, he might not go into, I think Seahawks fans need to prepare for the idea that he might not enter the hall of fame. Do they, do, do they do this in football? What, uh, football, Wearing hat. They do that in uh, baseball. Hall, let's see. Hall of Fame. Enter as. Is it ever? Oh, my God. I'm. Ah, entries are in Chinese. Do not go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a member of a certain team. Okay. All right. Well, I think I think there's a good chance that by the time Russell Wilson goes into the Hall of Fame, his career will be equally as memorable as a Denver Bronco as it was as a Seattle Seahawk. It's possible. Let's talk about that though, because there there's a question that whenever a trade like this happens, it's not like the Ken Griffey Jr. trade. Ken Griffey Jr. was one of the best players in baseball. When the Mariners traded him to the Cincinnati Reds, they got back Mike Cameron, Brett Tomko, maybe Mike Morse in that trade. Uh, they got, but I remember those two specifically. And immediately, Mike Cameron was better statistically than Ken Griffey Jr. And the reason was Griffey was entering his 30s and was uh, diminishing physically. And that's a question you have to ask about Russell Wilson. Is Russell Wilson, does his, has Russell Wilson's athleticism robbed him of his peak production? Will the Denver Broncos get peak production from Russell Wilson? I don't, I, let's see, trade value chart. I know the, 
one of the things, so the, the Seahawks got in the trade. Do I have this written on my list anywhere? Uh, let's talk. Let's just continue. So I saw a couple. Uh, here, Here's a reason why Russell Wilson's probably going to have some success in Denver. And I've seen this mischaracterized in articles already because they talk about how the Seahawks traded away Russell Wilson, who's on a cap-friendly deal. I'll, and specifically, and I'll see if he uh, if there's been a correction on this article. <clears throat> how do I open this fucking link from my own Google Docs? Come on. Come on. This is an, an embarrassment at this point. Patrick Walker at uh, CBSSports.com said he says uh it's unfathomable fathomable that this all it came to this in seattle to have a potential future hall of fame quarterback still in his prime at age 33 who is not set to carry a massive cap hit over the next two seasons 24 million in 2022 and 27 million in 2023 uh that is not completely accurate because let's see russell Wilson dead money. $26 million in dead money. So the Seahawks cap number would have been roughly $13 million more per year. He wasn't cap friendly for Seattle. So when the Broncos trade for this, they actually are getting a pretty cap friendly version of Russell Wilson. So they will have, what can $13 million a year buy you? It can probably buy you a quite a bit of offensive line depth. It could buy you a quality receiver. It could buy you a, a def, you know, a couple rotation defensive linemen. There's a lot of things that it can buy you that will not necessarily make Russell Wilson better, but that will make the team around Russell Wilson better because his cap number is lower. So <clears throat> it's it's a misnomer that the Seahawks gave up this guy who was incredibly cap friendly for them. But again, the question is, first off, is Russell Wilson that good anymore? That's something the Seahawks know better than anyone else. Will he be good? This has always been my argument. Will he be good the next time the Seahawks are good? Maybe, because I think that with what they have now, the the resources they received in this trade, maybe they can jumpstart the improvement process. The Seahawks can. The question is, would he have signed an extension? This is the final question is, at the end of the two years he had left on his contract, would Russell Wilson have signed an extension? And I think there's a very good chance the answer to that is no. And then he would leave after two mediocre Seahawks seasons where the Seahawks were a middle-of-the-road team and maybe even mortgaged their future even more to try to win in the waning years of Russell Wilson's Seahawks career. <clears throat> There's a chance that at the end of those years, mediocre team, even more depleted resources, and he leaves for compensation picks. Or you have to go through this whole... Uh, you could franchise him, but then you're in an even worse cap situation that year. I think that the Seahawks, who got, by the way, as I understand it, it's the largest draft pick compensation trade in the history of football. Can you make an argument they should have got more? Sure. Was that offer out there? 
there's there's kind of there's some rumors that the uh, Washington Commanders it's going to be tough to get used to that name offered more, <laughs> and that the Seahawks didn't want to trade Wilson inside the conference, which I find completely insane. Again, by the time the Seahawks are good, Russell Wilson, there's a very good chance that he's not going to be good anymore, that he might not want to stay in Washington anymore. The whole landscape of this trade is going to look different in two years, no matter what you think of it now. And I think you get the best possible deal you can, but what they got is uh, two first-rounders, two second-rounders, a fifth-rounder, and Drew Locke, and Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. Uh, as, it, as, it, I, as I understand it, Shelby Harris is fine, but there's some idea that he's just going to end up getting cut for salary purposes. Uh, the two first-rounders, two second-rounders, one is the Broncos' ninth overall pick this year where the Seahawks didn't have a first-round pick. The other two, the, the other first-rounder is for next year. If the Broncos are very good, obviously that doesn't look great. Also, what people will tell you is that the Houston Texans sent a first-rounder to Miami for Laramie Tunsil, thinking it would be uh, late in the first-round pick, and it turns out it was the third overall pick when all was said and done. So <clears throat> there's, there's, all, there's a lot of variability in what the Seahawks may get out of this trade, what they may be able to do with the pieces that they got in this trade, they also gave up a fourth round pick uh, that they sent to they sent to Denver with Russell Wilson. Um, I'm going to talk about Drew Locke in a little bit because I want to talk about potential uh, Russell Wilson replacements with this first round pick. Uh, I think that the Seahawks there's a very good chance that they don't draft a quarterback. It's a bad quarterback draft class. There's guys that I think have tons of upside, but there's no sure thing. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Andrew Luck. There's no Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, who I will also talk about in a little bit. Um, there's none of those guys sitting out there, obviously waiting to become the Seahawks next starting quarterback. Drew Locke is just a couple years removed from being a second round pick. Uh, he's got, there's actually, I've seen some stuff. What, you know, of course, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they know more than I do. They know more than you do. The Broncos know more than either of them do probably. Uh, there's some stuff that suggests that some stats anyway, that suggests that Drew Locke isn't just a complete nobody. I think that, uh, what you're going to see, well, I guess we'll talk about that in a moment. I think Noah Fant is an incredible prospect. I don't know that a team that is, he's a hyper-athletic tight end, like in the Vernon Davis level mold of athletic tight ends. And I don't know that that's something that a team that is very likely going to miss the playoffs or that is, if they make the playoffs, and I'll talk about what I think about that in a moment, but if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I don't know that that kind of tight end is exactly what that team needs. I do think having a tight end that can catch the ball is pretty valuable for a young quarterback where, and this is my very, very armchair understanding of what it's like to be an NFL quarterback, but 
where these reads that are right in front of the quarterback and the throws are shorter, having a guy that can create some separation in that area could be valuable. Speculation, not. Uh, and then Shelby Harris, quality, rotation, tackle. Maybe he stays with the Seahawks. Maybe he doesn't. Overall, you could bitch about the trade. Uh, the other thing that I've seen a lot, by the way, and it's a guy that I like a lot, uh, Ben Baldwin. I've seen this, though, where it's like, so the Seahawks are somehow beholden to get more for Russell Wilson because they made the Jamal Adams trade. The Jamal Adams trade was bad. It was bad when it happened. I think I supported it back then because I've kind of viewed the Seahawks situation as it is now where the window was closing. The window has shut on uh, Bobby Wagner, who the Seahawks just released, I believe is the last player who was on the Super Bowl championship team. This is the window has closed. And I recognize that. I think they overpaid for Jamal Adams, but you maybe had a limited time with Russell Wilson. You maybe had a limited time with a viable defense. Turns out that was accurate. So could the Seahawks, should the Seahawks have gotten more for Russell Wilson? Maybe it's unrelated to the Jamal Adams trade. Similarly, when you made that trade, you thought these were going to be later first round picks. You probably at the time could not have even possibly fathomed Russell Wilson leaving. Uh, you maybe were like, at this point, you'd be reloading, hopefully to see Russell Wilson have one last run at the end of his career. That's not the case anymore. That's sunk cost fallacy bullshit. Jamal Adams is here. Those draft picks are gone. Bradley McDougald is gone. Russell Wilson also gone. You get what you can for him. This is what you could get for him. Are these even trades? Do, do they net to a positive for the Seahawks? No, obviously. Unrelated, though. They are not related trades. I mean, in some ways they are because Jamal Adams being traded for what he was traded for might have led to the Seahawks not having enough talent around Russell Wilson, but, but I digress. Oh my God. I feel like I'm, I did so much drinking last week. Oh my God. I feel like I'm still slurring words from, from all that drinking. Um, so there's some fallout, other fallout that we are going to see as a result of this Russell Wilson trade. One of them, of course, Bobby Wagner was released. Uh, this was taken you know, Bobby Wagner says that the Seahawks didn't contact him. This seems like a thing that we just keep hearing about with the Seahawks and with other teams, this like kind of ineloquent way of handling these uh, departures of past stars. I don't know what the real story was. I think the people speculating that don't actually have real information are fucking stupid. They're just as dumb, by the way, as the people who have been adamant and angry about the idea that the Seahawks might possibly trade Russell Wilson and then he ends up getting traded. I'm sure that every one of those people will reflect on this. They will change their ways. They won't keep throwing out uh, unsubstantiated hot takes uh, with the hope that they can at least be right on a very small percentage of them and brag about those. Bobby Wagner gets released. It's kind of the most it's actually the nicest thing the Seahawks could do. Instead of working a trade to a team that he might not want to go to, that maybe isn't in contention, Bobby Wagner gets to pick his next team. Bobby Wagner can chase money, or Bobby Wagner can chase a championship, or both. He gets to choose. 
he doesn't have to be beholden to Seattle getting the most value for him. That's actually a good way of handling this. A humane, a sensitive, compassionate way of handling this, in my opinion. If they didn't call Bobby Wagner, they didn't bring him into the office or whatever, I don't know any of that. I don't know what the standard protocol for an NFL release is. I have no idea. Bobby Wagner, also a Hall of Famer, also a storied member of the uh, Seahawks franchise. Wish him nothing but the best, but what the Seahawks did by releasing him is not an insult. Sorry, (laughs) maybe what they did, like the actual thing they did, but simply releasing Bobby Wagner isn't for sure an insult. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett's probably going to get traded. He's aging. He's, you know, on an expensive deal. There's also guys, by the way, like Jason Myers, get rid of him yesterday. I think uh, Nico Ballore is on a, like a high, like a $2 million uh, special teams to be like a special teams guy. Mostly these, like, there's a lot of dead weight that the Seahawks will need to, and very likely will move on from luxuries for good teams, unnecessary for bad teams. Special teams ace is not what a team that's going to go 6-11 and 11 needs. They need rollover cap space, draft picks, etc. Um, I think that the real question is, what do you do with DK Metcalf? Because I think Metcalf has two years left on his deal, on his rookie contract. After that, of course, you could... Uh, So, Pro Football Focus, this is according to the Seattle Times, Pro Football Focus says that uh, Metcalf is worth basically $21 million a year. I think it's, if you decide, he's only 24 years old. So, the question is, again, it's this matter of timing. Do you get the quarterback situation figured out by the time DK Metcalf signs an extension or you have to make this deal? Also, does having diminished quarterback play hurt DK Metcalf's trade value? We saw DK Metcalf disappear, basically. Let's see what he did with Geno Smith. DK Metcalf game log. DK Metcalf also, by the way, maybe the most valuable player on this team right now. So let's see. Where when it was when did Geno Smith take over? Russell Wilson injury. Very exciting stuff here. So November 12th. What is this? What is this? What is this shit? What is this shit? Okay. Week five. So, <clears throat> week five, I didn't disappear. I'm full of shit. I wouldn't say that he disappeared statistically, but I think that his ability to uh, get downfield, to make big plays downfield was gone. He did actually, let's see, what can we get some target stats? I fucked up, everybody. He didn't disappear. DK Metcalf was still somewhat productive with Geno Smith, but I do think that there's no doubt that Geno Smith doesn't uh, 
he doesn't give DK Metcalf the his his opportunity to an opportunity to maximize his talent. So the question is, do you take this asset, DK Metcalf, who's outproduced his draft position, he's extremely valuable, he's got a ton of surplus value. Do you trade him now when he's possibly at his most valuable? Or do you wait a couple of years? Do you hope that you can re-sign him? You hope he remains productive. You hope he remains happy, by the way, which going from being on a Super Bowl contender with a Hall of Fame quarterback to trying to figure it out with a replacement of some type, which we'll talk about in a moment. Do you keep him happy? I, I'm, I, it doesn't take an insane person to not be happy in that situation. So uh, I think that, and I'm always on the like pro-blowing-it-up side more than most people. I'm ready to call a, uh, call a reset, I think, earlier than most people. But it's tough. It's a tough call. Because I, and I guess that's kind of where we get to his replacement and what does it look like in 2023 for the Seahawks? Because I think there are certainly replacements for, so that if the Seahawks are going to carry a comparable cap number to Russell Wilson, I think that they can afford to spend roughly like, let's say $20 million on a quarterback. If they, I think they're going to end up spreading some, some dead money out, but let's say it's, <clears throat> maybe it's actually maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's more like uh, fifteen million dollars or something like that. Well, there's. I think this is actually not a bad time. If you make the argument that the Seahawks were going into 2022 with a diminished Russell Wilson, who will not ever regain his career peak, then I think this trade is a lot easier to stomach overall. Because if that means he's like a uh, 10 to 20 tier of quarterback. I would consider that like the third tier top tier is like those top three guys. Probably, uh, right now, like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and man, I guess, I guess Brady, I guess you put Brady in there and then the next, I mean, obviously his career, but I'm talking about present day performance and then it's the next group. And then is Russell Wilson in the group after that. And if he's, if he's in the group after that, that group isn't so much different than the 20 to 30 group, potentially. And it's if you're a team that's looking for a mid-level quarterback, this is a great offseason to be doing it. Carson Wentz, uh, I a guy that I think is really interesting that I suspect uh, Pete Carroll would like also, Marcus Mariota, who played the last two years as a backup in Tennessee, but as a, a highly paid backup. Derek Carr is potentially available. Uh, Ryan Tannehill might be available. And I know, by the way, because I loved Ryan Tannehill, that coming out of college, Pete Carroll loved Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Baker Mayfield might be a guy who's, whose position isn't completely figured out. Jameis Winston. Uh, the big one that everyone's going to talk. Oh, by the way, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga Viola. Like these are these are guys that all have some level of uncertainty, shaky ground um, under them that I think are like somewhere between 
the 11th and 40th best quarterback in football, all of whom maybe a creative offense could squeeze a little bit more out of potentially. But the big guy that everybody's talking about is Deshaun Watson, who another unfathomable thing is a couple years ago, if you'd have said this, a value option to trade for at quarterback might be a, I think 27 year old Deshaun Watson. It'd be insane. But Deshaun Watson has uh, 22 accounts of sexual misconduct that he's facing. We just found out this week that it's not going to be, there will be no criminal uh, proceedings. I think Danny O'Neill, who I had on this podcast, has a pretty good article on his Substack. Uh, that dang apostrophe is the name of the Substack and podcast about the details of a Jeremy Stevens, former uh, Washington Husky tight end case, where he the charges were dropped, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person is innocent. So I'm hesitant. Uh. I will not say that this means that Deshaun Watson is innocent. I don't know what to do with this, though, because the question, I guess the question becomes like, what is what punishment fits the crime? And if our legal systems, I mean, like, I, this is like gnarly. It's, by the way, it's an incredible risk to even have like to question the like the wokest doctrine on this because is what or is what uh Deshaun Watson did reputedly bad? Yes. Do we know all the details? Of course not. A grand jury in a system that we've been talking about for years disenfranchising black men uh oversentencing black men has been has said that Deshaun Watson faces no criminal charges. Uh, of course, he's a rich guy. And he's a guy that's got, you know, presumably one of the best legal teams behind him in the country that he can afford because he's a rich guy. I recognize that this isn't the same as uh, an underprivileged black dude facing a potential jury trial. I get that. I just don't know. And I think like for me, I'm probably a little more open to the idea of Deshaun Watson in Seattle than some people. But I think that the reason is because uh, it's not because I think that Deshaun Watson absolutely didn't do anything wrong, but it's, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, I mean, we had to face this with the, Every comedy fan has had to face this with Louis C.K., by the way, who did these things that didn't rise to the level of criminality. Um, in Louis C.K.'s case, they didn't even rise to the level of civil lawsuits. Uh, they are icky. The things that are, are being alleged about Deshaun Watson are gross. They're bad. They're disgusting. Uh, I'm not saying that he's like, he's served his time and move on. 
He had a year off of football, but I believe he was paid for that year. He's probably going to receive a suspension from the NFL, regardless of what happens with these civil cases. <clears throat> and this will follow him around forever. He's not the only quarterback that this has happened to. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has a pretty credible sexual assault allegation from early in his career that probably at the minimum rises to the, to the level of misconduct. Um, you're also, by the way, like we're into this territory where it's like uh, in the same way that like when O.J. Simpson got off, we were like racially divided. People's opinions on the verdict were racially divided. It's going to be, there's going to be some of that probably with Deshaun Watson also, because many people have seen their family members or themselves railroaded by our justice system. And so the expectation that everybody is universally on board, that we need to carry torches through the streets to get Deshaun Watson removed from football permanently is not going to be the case. I don't want him in Seattle because I think it's going to be just an enormous shitstorm. I think it's going to be a shitstorm that hurts the team. I think it's going to be a shitstorm that divides the fan base. It's going to create a lot of animosity in the area. But from a talent perspective, strictly talent perspective, Deshaun Watson to Seattle is maybe not even a drop-off from Russell Wilson. If you would have asked me a year ago, before Russell Wilson's injury and before uh, Deshaun Watson's allegations became public, would I trade Russell Wilson for Deshaun Watson straight up? Easy yes. It's an easy yes. Now? Yeah, obviously the situation is different. I said this at the, be at the beginning of the offseason. Would you trade Russell Wilson for Dak Prescott? Part of the reason that I say yes is because I have a higher opinion of Dak Prescott than this like cowboy hating populace that we live in. <clears throat> I get why they hate the Cowboys, by the way. I think the franchise is very annoying, but um, I would have traded Russell Wilson for Dak straight up. No doubt. Uh, I don't think that, I think that Deshaun Watson is going to end up with a franchise in an area that's, Oddly, a little more forgiving of past transgressions, despite what you might think of Louisiana, for example, from a racial equality perspective. I think they might be more forgiving uh, to Russell or to Deshaun Watson in this circumstance. Also, I don't want to. Sp I actually did for the sake of uh, for the sake of completionism. I uh, I did go check out what uh what the allegations against what the specifics of the allegations against Deshaun Watson are they are bad this isn't i mean i you know i don't think it's realistic to think that 22 women are completely lying but we're in a gray area where it's like are they lying probably not does what he did mean that he should never be allowed to play football again. It might. If the if he's truly an absolute predator, an unrepentant predator, yeah, probably shouldn't play football ever again. He's, he'll get a chance either way. It doesn't matter 
my opinion, but there's almost certainly some gray area. And both these sides, unfortunately, right now, because there's no trial going on, both the sides of the 22 women and Deshaun Watson's side are in a PR battle, which is bad. It's very bad. That's a bad situation for for Deshaun Watson, for our justice system, for football to be in. And, and unfortunately, another bad situation. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be bad for the women who accused Deshaun Watson. So... Overall, should, do I want Deshaun Watson in Seattle? Do I think he'll be in Seattle? The answer is the same to both, which is no. I don't think Deshaun Watson will or should be. Uh, do I want him in Seattle? But I do think that's. I do think that the the system that Pete Carroll runs, the way he likes to play, physical, aggressive defense, run the ball, control the clock. I think there's a chance that the Seahawks could go from presumed to be bad to better than expected next season. He was zigging when people zagged the beginning of his tenure with the Seahawks. If he returns the team to this physical run first, oh my God, my stomach is rumbling because I'm talking to you instead of eating lunch. I want you to know that. If he returns the team to that style of play, I think that their upside is limited. I think it's limited to like low-level playoff contention. I think it does need an elite talent at quarterback to ascend to Super Bowl, to being a Super Bowl contender. I don't think Marcus Mariota is that guy. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is that guy. I do think that talent-wise alone, Deshaun Watson would be potentially that guy, Still, even still, I think that that's it's it would be a fucking nightmare. Uh, and so I don't want Deshaun Watson in Seattle, but I don't think they're that far away is my point. So I do think that if they can come across an elite level talent, I think they're going to what I think they're going to do with the quarterback position. Drew Locke is going to get every shot to become the starter. I think they're going to probably bring in a veteran or two. I could see them bringing in Mariota plus. <laughs> I could see them making a moderate trade for uh, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, somebody along those lines. Uh, Tyler Huntley out of Baltimore. I think they could. There's. I think what they're going to get back to is this idea that competition sharpens the sword, right? Get the guys, get guys to come in and compete for jobs. Give the best guy the job. That's it. That was the thing that made Seattle, that made the Seahawks great. And as you get closer to, it's not that they necessarily lost their way. Maybe they did. But as you get to the point where you're in a peak of your wind curve, you should make less risky decisions. You should you you also have, by the way, these guys you've re-signed who have a ton of guaranteed money. It's different. The circumstances are the circumstances are different. But the position that they are in now without Russell Wilson is much closer to the position they were in when Pete Carroll took over the team than 2021, 2020 was. And so 
if they're going to go through that process again, that's the way it's going to be, I think, is four or five options come in to play quarterback. The best two stay on the roster. It's not probably Jacob Eason, <clears throat> but this really does, by the way, uh, validate my opinion that they should have been playing Jacob Eason instead of Geno Smith, because I don't think Geno Smith is the future. Uh, is it going to be Drew Locke? I don't know. Is it going to be a trade? I don't know. Is it going to be a signee? I don't know. I think we're going to see a combination of many of those folks end up in preseason. And also, by the way, the Seahawks used to be a destination for people. I don't know if it will be now, but I think that when you get into that, like, on the verge of not being a starter quarterback, maybe someone with some talent, maybe someone that the Seahawks see something in that they can scheme around to make them perform like, produce like a good quarterback. That type of player, there's not a lot of starting jobs available in football either. So they might have their pick of that third-tier, fourth-tier quarterback, a guy that maybe they can see some talent in. Or if you throw enough, this is the way they did it before, by the way. It's not super scientific. Number of the years they had the most roster churn in maybe the history of football, they might get back to that. They might get back to, they signed Matt Flynn and against, by the way, I was pissed when they drafted uh, Russell Wilson. I wanted Kirk Cousins. I was pissed when they drafted him. I didn't think he would be an NFL starter. Uh, They can get back to that. Like Russell Wilson won that job from Matt Flynn, despite having a bunch of money uh, allocated to Matt Flynn. They started Russell Wilson. I think they can get back to that very very easily and maybe go back to being a playoff team in 2022. Not have to wait until 2025 to turn the ship around. Maybe. It would take a lot of things going right, but maybe. All right. That's it. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, TikTok everywhere at the Casey McLean. Come see stand-up dates. Uh, I'm going to be at Tacoma Comedy Club this weekend emceeing for Chris Porter, trying to develop new material, baby. I'm going to try to do 10 new minutes. I featured for Chris Porter last year, made a very good chunk of money. It's not a demotion. Uh, I am. I asked to do some MC weekends at Tacoma Comedy Club because, fuck, do I need to develop. My material is not developing as fast as I wanted it to. So thank you. For listening to this podcast, follow me everywhere. Come see me do stand-up. Thank you for listening. Find this podcast wherever you can. Tell your friends and bye.